0: Let's begin with a word of prayer as we go to the word. Father, thank you for this morning and this afternoon. Thank you so much for the privilege you've given us to sing your praises, to declare your excellencies. And I pray as we look into your word, you would grant us wisdom and understanding into your intent of what you desire, uh, what you desire to be made manifest by your spirit through Nehemiah. And Lord, we just pray that we would respond in a way that glorifies you. And so we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been a believer for very long, you will realize uh, that there are times where you pray and pray and pray for the right thing. And you are about the Lord's business doing the right thing. And if you do the right thing in the Lord, you're going to face opposition, as we've seen. But there are times when those prayers, whatever it might be, for a family member to, to have a heart change or, or, or a, to be saved or, or, or for a, a ministry that you desired, the, the Lord desires you to do comes about or whatever it might be, you want to work heartily under the Lord and God has supplied a job. You've been praying for that. Uh, We come to these points where we have success in a sense, we prosper in a sense, where God allows those prayers and that work to come to fruition. Now for us as believers, that's a blessed time where we enter into that sphere of uh, where God has blessed something that you've been praying about, planning about, working for, whatever it might be. But we need to realize, as we'll learn from Nehemiah today, that there's a danger if we don't respond rightly. And so we need to look at, uh, as we'll see today, how to avoid defeat after spiritual success. Would you turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter six, and we're gonna be looking at verses 15 to 19, finishing up the chapter. Now, as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, we know that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He had a very high position in the Persian Empire, the world's superpower of the day. And in chapter 1, we've seen that he has heard of the condition of Jerusalem and how it was a great evil, in a sense, to the Jews, that they were being mocked, reproached. God was being reproached because the walls of Jerusalem were, were, were desolate and the gates had been burned with fire. And Nehemiah was broken up over that because he desires the Lord to be exalted, as we see throughout this book. And so Nehemiah was weeping and praying, and we see in chapter 1 he prayed for four months. And we have a wonderful model prayer in chapter 1 for us to look at. And it became apparent uh, to us and certainly to Nehemiah that God was going to use him as the person to go help the Jews in Jerusalem and Judah. And so we see him praying for the Lord to give him favor, to grant him favor. Uh, and he, in chapter 2, we see he goes before the king, and the king is, asks him, uh, because he's downcast, what's his request? And Nehemiah wisely requests that he would go be able to rebuild Jerusalem. And the king grants that request, an amazing thing that the king does. And Nehemiah wisely gets the letters he needs to travel, plus for the wood that he would need from the king's forest. And so he comes there, and then we saw uh, uh, that the opposition began to mount against him, Sanballat and Tobiah, when they heard that someone wanted to help the Jews. It was a great evil to them. But Nehemiah responded rightly, we see. And he came to Jerusalem, and we saw in chapter 2 that he, he, he surveyed, the walls at night secretly not allowing anyone to know what he was doing there were certainly leaks uh, within and we'll see this today within the jews getting to the bad guys uh, the word was getting out so he was very wise in that and then he gathered together the jews and encouraged them to build the wall together and he shared how god's good hand had been upon him with the king and how he had granted him all these things and the ability to come there And so we see that happened, Uh, And then we see in chapter uh, three, we have um, just an overview of the building of the wall, how everyone came together, we see, and built the wall. And it was completed in chapter three, kind of an overview of what we would see in more detail in the rest of the chapters. Then in chapters four through six, uh, we saw varying uh, instances and circumstances of Satan working through people to try to stop uh, the progress in the building of the wall we learned varying tactics that Satan uses to discourage us from God's work to to get us to try and quit to give up to be quitters right we're gonna see that uh, godly people are not quitters God isn't a quitter praise the Lord he didn't quit on us he will complete the work that he began he's not gonna quit on us right um, and in God's character, we see that Nehemiah and these people did not quit, but yet they faced great obstacles. Great obstacles. We saw in chapter one, or chapter four, one of the te- techniques they were using was to use, uh, 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 ridicule and, 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 uh, uh, mockery to try to get them to be discouraged. And then there was outright, outright, uh, attacks planned to kill them. But God protected them, and Nehemiah focused their heart on the Lord, that the Lord would fight for them. So they guarded uh, the work, and they worked at the same time wisely at the leadership of Nehemiah. And then we saw in chapter 5 that Satan tried to exploit internal sin with the Jews, uh, where we had the rich Jews oppressing the poor Jews uh... pressing their brothers uh... sinfully through usury against the the law of the lord uh, unloving and not kind in the midst of a uh, famine and nehemiah takes care of that and dresses it and they respond and they respond and then we came to chapter six where we saw another one of satan's tactics which is fear Uh, first of all nehemiah was being lured out uh... to a place where they could knock him out obviously uh, and then uh, they used the tactic of slander to cause him to fear. And then they even hired prophets to false prophesy that Nehemiah would be afraid for his life and run to the temple to hide based on a false prophecy. And he would sin and then be discredited. And then the work would be discredited. But Nehemiah doesn't go there. He doesn't go there. He feared the Lord not the fear of death in the people, right, in those p- people. And so now we come to the last portion of Nehemiah chapter 6 where we come to an amazing place, an amazing place where we're going to see uh, that the wall was completed, that the job that he had come for was completed. Amazing, amazing. And so with that in mind, again, turn your Bibles um to nehemiah chapter 6 now we have this amazing portion the wall is completed Uh, there is a success here remember the nehemiah prayed earlier and i'll share this pray that they would prosper or succeed in the work that god had for them and they have they have so let's take a look at our passage and we're going to see again how to avoid defeat after spiritual success okay because You know, when things go good in the Lord, we're going to see, we tend to kind of lighten up. When things are difficult, we are praying, we are on our knees, we are alert. And when things are good, we're kind of just, ah, you know, Uh, but we can still rest, but we need to be alert, okay, as we'll see. Uh, Verse 15, so the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Elul in the in 52 days amazing statement and it came about when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it they lost their confidence for they recognized that the work had been accomplished with the help of our god now we would want to say amen and yes that's good and say end of chapter right (laughs) we're done this is great good news it's over right uh, well, it doesn't so work that way. We'll see. And also in those days, uh, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son, Johanaan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Barakiah. Uh-oh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds, that's the bad guy in my presence, and reported my words to him. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Remember, we've seen that this chapter has a lot about Satan's tactic of fear, and here we're going to see it doesn't cease, but it just comes in a different form. And therefore, we need to be on the alert, and we need to pray for what we can learn. These things have been written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. So here we see in verse 15, tremendous thing. We see that the wall was completed in 52 days. This is amazing. This is totally amazing. Uh, Torn down, terrible shape, gates uh, uh, burned down, uh, dejected people, Uh, God sends his man, Nehemiah. He encourages them to trust the Lord and to step out and work. And they worked and they did it. And by God's grace, as we will see, they completed it. Now, this was the reason why Nehemiah came in the first place. This is why he came. You might remember in chapter 1, verse 2, Uh, When he heard from the remnant of Jews in Judah who survived the captivity, they were in great distress and reproach because the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. That was what he heard. That was what first prompted him to pray about it. And he wept and mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord God of heaven, right? And he prayed for a few months and then he came to understand that he's the guy, That God was leading but he would have to lead him through walks of faith steps of faith uh, in the context of the difficulties and what he would need to do and he prayed for success and God did so when the king granted his request to come and help them because the good hand of his God was upon him right the good hand of his God was upon him and so he came to rebuild the wall but why would that be so important why would a wall? What's the? I don't. You know, we've got a fence here and there. You know, we got some wall. What's? Why is it so important about a wall? Well, in these days, major cities had walls, and they were used to protect them from enemies. Uh, and this was a city of the Most High God, and the walls around the city of the Most High God are gates burned and scraps of of rocks all over the place. A a a, 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 a demolished wall sitting there. Well, it was mockery. The, 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 the nations around were mocking the Jews uh, because the city of their God was in such disarray and the Jews' hearts were broken over it, right? And so it was important. And so what an important day this is because it's done. It's done. The walls have been rebuilt. They've been rebuilt. This is a victory. God brought victory. God fought for them and brought victory, and by the way, as we look at these principles, we need to be reminded that these aren't principles about our will and our ways and God bringing His victory at that point. No, uh, this is Nehemiah doing God's will, clearly God's will, and God bringing victory in his will. You see what I'm saying? So when I'm talking about victory and success, I'm talking about spiritual success when we are trusting the Lord, obeying him, and God leads us to complete something or brings about an answer to something. That's what I'm talking about, and that's what we're seeing here. Because you might remember, uh, Nehemiah said back in chapter 2, and I rose at night, verse 12, and I and a few men with me, and I did not tell anybody what my God was putting in my mind for Jerusalem. This was God's plan, not Nehemiah's plan. This was God's plan, okay? And so you can think about it. You know, you're looking for a job, and you know it's God's will for you to work. You are completely submitted, willing to do whatever you want. You're diligent, and God brings it about. Praise the Lord. You know, whatever it might be, whatever successful thing it might be, uh, wonderful, 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 but... The opposition that you faced before may be just around the corner again, and we need to be on guard. We need to be careful because as we are on this earth, we still have an enemy. Now, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against Satan and his cohorts, but he uses them. He uses evil men uh, to bring about as well, evil men and imposters, as, we, as we'll see today. So then, a wonderful, significant day. And so with this in mind, how are we to, how are we to respond how we'd respond. Now notice, and let's look at it more specifically. Verse 15, so the wall was completed in the 25th month of Eul in 52 days. And it came about when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it. They lost their confidence. They recognized that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. It is victory. Now this would be sometime around August and September. That's this month of Yule. It's the last, it's the 12th month of the Jewish calendar, Okay. And so it's right around that time, and that's significant, I'll share that a little bit later, but uh, that's when it happened. He gives the time to show, hey, it really did happen. This is the real deal. So Nehemiah had brought the work of God, God had brought the work of Nehemiah for him to completion. And then notice, uh, the enemies were outright, they're outright enemies, the ones who were identified. These are enemies. They were dismayed, disheartened by what the Lord did. Verse 16, and it came about, When all, this is great, when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. Wow, this is great. Praise the Lord, right? Uh, you might remember the enemies of Nehemiah are those who who who, who oppose the building of the walls. Sanballat, who was possibly a Moabite, Tobiah, we'll see him today, the Ammonite official, Gershom, the Arab. We also see the surrounding nations back in chapter four: the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, which Ashdodites, which would be Philistines. Surrounding nations. So, what happened when they heard it and saw it? It says uh, they lost their confidence. Now, it's interesting, in the Hebrew, it literally says, their eyes fell forcefully down. They went, ah, <laughs> right? I mean, it was, they lost it. You know, when someone is dejected and lose their confidence, they're like, ah, right? Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, their, all their wickedness that they tried to use to impede the building of the wall failed, and the Je- Nehemiah and the Jews were able to do so and rebuild it. But notice it's also very important that the enemies also understood something. And Nehemiah records this, and he records it as though he understood it too, by the way, the way he includes the word are. For they recognized that the work had been accomplished, this is the end of uh, 16, accomplished with the help of our God. They recognized it was accomplished with God's help. Even the enemies did. And Nehemiah is stating in his statement, he clearly reveals this. He's writing this, by the way. He understood it was the help of our God, right? Folks, it's no secret. The enemies knew that Nehemiah was trusting the Lord, and these nations knew whose God the Jews was. How did Nehemiah answer Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gershom in chapter 2? And they asked, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Nehemiah said in, in chapter 2, verse 20, and I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. So the word means prosper. He'll, he'll bring it to completion. Therefore, his servants will arise, build, but you have no portion, right a memorial in Jerusalem. Hey, we're going to have success. Nehemiah started from the finish. This is God's work, and he will give us Success, right? So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Yule in 52 days, and it came about when our enemies heard it, all the nations nations surrounding us saw it. They lost their confidence, for they recognized the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Praise the Lord. Even the enemies recognized it. Certainly the Jews recognized it. God did it. God did it. And so this leads us to our first principle that we need to recognize when God brings spiritual success. We must not forget who gave us that success. We must not forget who brought it about and we must give him alone the glory. Give him alone the glory. You see, when we succeed in his will, not ours, by the way, uh, and we need to give him all the glory You see, when God answers our prayers and accomplishes uh, those things through us, he should receive all the glory. And Nehemiah is a man who gives him the glory. He's a man who gives him the glory. Remember back in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. God gets the glory. And we saw this in a minute ago in chapter 2, verse 20. The God of heaven will give us success. He's giving God the glory. And we know that he said in chapter 4, verse 20, that God would fight for us. God would fight for us. Um, let's just and so then we have here, Nehemiah trusted the Lord to strengthen his hands. He trusted the Lord to strengthen his hands. We see that in chapter 6, verse 9. He believed God would do it. He trusted in the Lord. And he says it's with the help of Our God and then these bad guys even they recognized even they recognized that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God so when you experience spiritual success and prosperity or victory give God all the glory or you are in trouble now let me remind you what had to happen to get this done this was done in times of distress, a uh, s- s- uh, hundred so years earlier, seventy to hundred years earlier. Daniel had been given uh, an answer to his prayer in Daniel chapter nine verse twenty-five, and the angel said and, pr- pr- and predicted that the king would make a, a, um, a proclamation to rebuild. And in that proclamation, in nine twenty-five, or in that in that passage in nine twenty-five it says that this would happen in times of distress. There was distress. There was distress, right? Uh, We saw the Jews were greatly distressed before Nehemiah came. Uh, We saw they faced great obstacles. Uh, Nehemiah needed the approval of the king, which would be probably impossible, right? We saw that. Uh, Remember, they were faced ridicule and despised. Uh, They were aiming to demoralize them and discourage them. Uh, We saw they were even being attacked, uh, or planned to attack, to be killed, to put stop to the work. Uh, We saw there was internal sin that threatened the building of the wall. Uh, There were attempts to lure Nehemiah chapter 6 into a trap, uh, then outright slander, then wicked hiring of false prophets to scare him, to cause him to sin. This is times of distress. But God did it. And Nehemiah gave God all the glory. He didn't say, wow, I am a really good leader. You know, a lot of stuff I see, and it bothers me a little bit, are about leadership. And they'll use Nehemiah as an example. Yes, there's an example, but Nehemiah is a man who trusted the Lord. If that's what you're talking about, leadership, praise the Lord. Remember those who led you and spoke the word of God, right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Nehemiah trusted the Lord and imitate their faith. Uh, They try to take it all and principalize every little thing he does and make it a leadership book. Nehemiah was a godly man who had God's wisdom, who trusted him and obeyed him and did it by faith. And so then we see here it was done in the midst of difficulty. And Nehemiah could have said, wow, I sure did a good job scouting it out early. Wow, I sure did a good job organizing all these people and how to do this. I sure did a great job. I'm a pretty good guy. You know, God has given me a lot of skills, and and I did it for Jesus, right? Well, he doesn't do that. He says God did it. God gave them the victory. God did it. It was by the hand of their God. And so please be on the alert when the Lord gives you that job that you do not say in any way, shape, or form, my strength or my abilities has gotten this for me. Please be on the alert when your prayers are answered and God used you to help someone see their sin rightly and they've changed that. You say, wow, God gave me the and this and it was me. There's a really a lot of me's in there, right? Uh, don't do that. Uh, Paul says in Galatians, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing and he deceives himself, Galatians 6. And we know so much so that in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 that we are not adequate to consider Anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. And we know what Jesus said in John 15, the day, right before the night before he was betrayed here. Um, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we trust him, it's him through us, and we have the privilege by his grace. Paul would say, I labored more than the, the others, but not I, the grace of God in me. God did. Yes, we did. The, we, we had the hammer. We, we, we preached the sermon, but God did it in us. God did it. We need to be careful not to forget when things become prosperous spiritually. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And Moses has the uh, the Israelites on the plains of Moab ready to enter the land, Namas, uh, second law. He's reiterating the law again for this generation. The other generation died out in the wilderness because of sin. And he's reiterating this. And he's going to say, basically, you're going to come into a great place that you didn't do anything for, and it's going to be a great blessing. Don't you dare forget God by not obeying him and thinking that somehow you did it, that this is your doing. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Beware, lest you forget your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and statutes I'm commanding you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when you herds, your flocks multiply, your gold and silver multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, thirsty ground where there was no water. Hey, this is pretty difficult building the wall too, Right? Right, okay, so, and he says here, uh, through great and terrible wilderness, fiery surface, scorpions, thirsty ground, where there was no water, he brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and that she might test you to do good to you in the end. Otherwise, you might say in your heart, my power and my strength and the strength of my hand made me this wealth be on guard when you have success that you think your power your strength your abilities your wisdom right but you shall remember the lord your god don't forget and go and not and you shall remember the lord your god for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day you got to remember the lord Remember the Lord, don't give in to your flesh. We love to be patted on the back. We love to uh, say, great job, Greg, right? I mean, in our flesh, our flesh loves that. Now we know as believers, it's so wrong because God, when God gets the glory, what a blessing in our hearts it is, right? What a blessing when, when we know he did it and he gets all the glory. And so watch out, watch out. It is a dangerous time when you have experienced spiritual victory that you might forget all the dependence you had on the Lord, all the difficulties, and how the Lord brought it about. You find that house the Lord's leading to, you give him all the glory. You get that job the Lord is leading you give him all the glory. You, You have this piano recital and you do well, give him all the glory. Give God all the glory for everything. You see, pride goes before destruction, Proverbs 16.6. So when we experience victory, we must give him all the glory and continue to praise him for what he's done. We need to learn from Nehemiah, learn from Nehemiah. And I read this earlier during our offering time, but turn to Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. By the way, it's just idolatry when we give ourselves the praise, by the way. We're becoming idolaters, don't do it. He says here, behold, the former things have, have come to pass, now I declare to you, now I Declare new things before they spring forth. I proclaim them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth, right? And then down verse 12, let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the cross, coastlands. Give the glory to the Lord. Give the glory to the Lord. I remember this little children's video where they had this little Irish guy going up and down with his legs. Ah, 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 give the glory all to God. You know, give God all the glory. Give him the glory. Think about everything he's done for you. We should be giving him glory for everything he's done, especially when he has prospered us in his will, in his will, Okay. So then how can we keep from being spiritually defeated uh, after spiritual success? Uh, we need to give all the glory to God. Don't forget him, okay? But secondly, and lastly, as we'll see today, we need to recognize our enemy, Satan, doesn't stop. Now, some of the enemies here seem to have let off. They're dejected, and it's kind of over. And you may think, hey, ah, the pressure's off. We need to be on the alert. Because we have an enemy that will attack us, and a good time to attack us in a different manner, different fashion, is when we are basking in the glory that God has brought forth in doing what he has done. We need to be careful, okay? We need to realize the battle may be over, but we will continue to be opposed, and that opposition may come from an area you don't expect. You don't expect. Verse 17, back in Nehemiah chapter 6. And in those days many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reporting my words to him. Then Tobias sent letters to frighten me. Again, it would have been really great to have this chapter end at verse 16, right? Victory, victory, right? But we need to be on the alert. We can bask in praise of God for the victory he brings, right? And we can praise him and glory him, but we need to be on guard. We need to be on guard. Maybe the pressure's off, there's less work, whatever it might be. There's that the, thats it's, it's relieved a little bit. The, the outright enemies are not attacking, but be on guard. You see, this is an interesting yet disturbing chapter, at the end of this portion, I mean. And as I said, I think we all would have wanted it to end before, but we need to see and remember that as long as we're on this earth, as long as we have breath, we'd have an enemy who will oppose us. But praise the Lord, God will soon crush Satan at our feet. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He's a defeated foe. And if we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, if we trust him, the shield of faith, it extinguishes every fiery missile. Uh, We trust the Lord, we're in good shape. But when things are good, our trust levels kind of go down at times. Because we're kinda not in that mode of trusting Him like we were when everything was so important to get the task done and there was so much difficulty, right? So there's a danger, right? We need to remember, 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, be on the alert. Uh, be, Be sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith or the faith. Resist him firm, believing what God has said, trusting in what he has said, trusting in him, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are around the world. So then we have this statement back in our passage, verse 17. Also in these days. Well, what days is he talking about? He's talking about the days here that he just talked about. They completed the wall. They completed the wall, but certainly this stuff was going on before that, but it's still going on. He doesn't share it afterwards, uh, for, for, not for a reason. It's there for a reason. Also, also in these days. Nehemiah, inspired by the Spirit, shares what God wants us to know, what was also happening in these days. And notice what he says. We have letters going from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah and vice versa. So who are the nobles of Judah? Well, the the royal line of Judah is the line in which our Savior would come out of. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's where the king would come out of. That's where the kings were. It's a noble line. These were the noble guys. They were the high up in Judah, okay? They were the high up guys in Judah. And so here we got emails or letters, I mean, going back and forth from... (laughs) From, from Tobiah and these nobles, right? We got stuff going back and forth, right? We got it going back and forth. And this other guy here we see is Tobiah. You remember who he is, right? Tobiah was introduced back in chapter 2. He is an Ammonite official. Uh, and he is very powerful politically, uh, but he is an Ammonite, apparently. Now, if you'll remember, because of Lot's sin, we have with his daughters, we have the Ammonites and the Moabites, and besides a very few who were redeemed by faith in the Lord, they were continually a thorn in Israel's side. They were Israel's consummate enemies, the Ammonites and Moabites. You can look in Ezekiel in the middle chapters of the 20s and see what their doom is because of their evil and how they rejoiced over Israel's being taken captive. You can see that they were evil, they were hateful. You can look in Psalm 83 and see that they are those who hate the Lord, and thus they hate Israel. Now we've seen from the beginning of this book, Tobiah is an enemy of Nehemiah and, is doing, and those who are doing God's work, and thus of God. You might remember back in chapter 2, verse 10, uh, it was very displeasing to Tobiah. Uh, that someone would come to help the Jews, and that 's not a brother in Christ; his heart is very displeased that someone would help the Jews, that someone would come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel that was very uh, it was a really a literally a great evil to him, a great evil to him. We know in chapter 2, verse 19, that Sanballat with Gershom, uh, uh, they mocked and despised Nehemiah, the Jews, and then Tobiah chimes in, uh, or or actually, Tobiah's with them. What is this thing you're doing, rebelling against the king? You see those mockeries and those slight uh, uh, accusations. Uh, we know in chapter 4, Tobiah specifically was the guy who was mocking and, and saying, Hey, if a fox just jumped on the wall, it would collapse. You know, look at this terrible workmanship. It's, it's not going to be done, right? And uh, that's when they heard it was half the height. And then they conspired together to fight against Jerusalem. He was part of that too. He's an enemy. Chapter 6, verse 1 Nehemiah calls him clearly an enemy. We want to be so gracious. We don't want to say anyone's an enemy. Well, there are enemies to the cross. There are enemies to Christ. And they are our enemies thus, right? Now, in the personal enemies, we know what to do in, in, in Matthew, how we're to respond in that. But Paul prays for protection from those evil one and those who are caught in his snare, right? That God would protect. So then we have enemies here. We have enemies here. He's an enemy of the Lord and an enemy of uh, the Lord's people. But wait a second. His name is Yahweh is my God. That's my name. Hi, what's your name? Oh, Yahweh is my God. <laughs> you know, right? He's a, he's a, Yahweh is my God. That's his name, Tobiah. Okay? Yet we see that he's a false brother. He's a false brother. Later on in chapter 13, we're going to see that Elisha Elisha the high priest did evil for Tobiah and he granted him a place to stay in the temple. And Nehemiah had to kick him out, right? Great evil, okay? Great evil. But Tobiah, as we will see, had yoked himself through marriages with the Jews of Judah. And therefore, he had great influence in a family way to lead them astray. To lead them astray. And it's a great warning for us, a great warning for us. So after this great victory, we have this statement. In those days, many letters were, went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him. And later on, verse 19, it says, Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. That's the goal. So we're going to see there's, there's family gossip leading to slanderous accusations. Family gossip in the church. Oh, that never happens, does it? Oh, it sure does. It sure does. We'll see it. We'll see it here in this passage, and we've seen it. So then, Tobiah has infiltrated the Jewish nobles, as we'll see through sinful marriages. Remember, he's an Ammonite, and they're not supposed to be marrying those in the in the in the in the, in the, la- in the land. Uh, And so look at verse 17. Also in those days, many letters went from the nobles to Judah, Judah to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him. Now that's an interesting statement, because he doesn't say the nobles were bound. Those are the high guys in Judah. Now he says many in Judah, the tribe, the area of Judah, right? Um, With the tribe of Judah were bound by oath. That just means they'd made a verbal agreement. Hey, I'm for you, Tobiah. I'm going to support you. I'm not. I don't. Nehemiah. Forget him. No, he's not. I'm. I'm on your side. I'm on your side, Tobiah. You know that's basically what it is. They were bound by oath, as we'll see. And notice even down further, it's not good. Look at verse 19. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds. That's Tobiah, in my presence. That's Nehemiah. That's a slap in the face, by the way. Your enemy and your the people are supposed to be God's people are saying, Tobiah is such a good guy. Hey, look at what he's done. He's done so many good things. And Nehemiah knows he's an enemy. He's a bad guy. Okay? He's a false brother. Okay? And it says here, And reported my words to him. Ah, they took his words. Nehemiah said this. He was talking about this. I think he's going to do this. Right? Reporting his words to Tobiah. So they were yoked with Tobiah. Therefore, they saw what he was doing as good. They were yoked through marriage, by the way. And they saw what he was doing as good, and they were speaking of his good good deeds in Nehemiah's presence. What a slap in the face. And so this wretched, evil man, an enemy of God and his people, has infiltrated his people, and they're speaking of his good deeds. And he has undermined the spiritual, and is undermining the spiritual authority of Nehemiah in the context of the people. And they reported his, Nehemiah's words to him. Folks, the Jews had been sucked into the false spirituality of Tobiah through, as we will see, family ties. Family ties. And thus they were at odds and turning against Nehemiah, who was a righteous leader. This is Satan's tactic this is Satan's tactic. And, oh, folks, as I read this, uh, uh, we had a very evil man here did the same thing. We had it happen. We have seen this, who spiritually turned people away, where they would speak of his good deeds and they would give my words to him. We've seen it. We've lived it. This is a tactic of Satan to cause you to fear, to cause you to quit, to cause you to quit. But praise the Lord, that didn't work, and we are still preaching God's word, because God is great, and God is awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, so here, back in our passage, verse 18, many of Judah were bound to him by oath. So Tobiah wins over the loyalty of many in Judah, not just the nobles. And, and so he's won them over he's, by oath. Hey, you're with me, right? Right, yep, yep, we're with you. We're, we're with you, man. That's, you're the guy. So why so many? I've alluded to it, but why were so many yielded over and yoked with Tobiah. Look in verse 18. For many in Judah were bound to him by oath and were, and here's the reason, because. Here's the reason. It's just, here is the reason. They were bound by oath because. Okay, now look at it. He was the son-in-law of Shechaniah the son of Era, and, and his son Jehohan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Tobiah had married a Jewish girl. Okay? Ammonite official. Married a Jewish girl, okay? And his uh and he was thus the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Erech. He's a son-in-law now, okay? Okay? And it gets worse. His son Jehohanan married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Now Meshullam, we saw back in chapter 3, he was working on the wall. He seemed to be a good guy, infiltrating, right? Infiltrating through marriages. We have this high Ammonite official mixed marrying with Jews. Later on, Nehemiah is going to hit this issue right on the head in chapter 13, like Ezra did in the end of Ezra. You can read that. But turn up to Nehemiah 13. Now, this is talking about giving away women, but we got the same thing in reverse with men here, right? Now, given the possibility of him portraying himself to be a God-fearer may have led the way for those unions, but there's a principle even after that that our loyalty to God must be greater than our loyalty to family, okay? But Nehemiah 13:23. In those days I saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and for their children half spoke the language of Ashdod, and none of them were able to speak the language of Judah. But the language of his own people. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out the hair, pulled out pulled their hair, and made them swear by God, You shall not give your daughters to the sons, to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Pretty strong rebuke there, right? Plucking the hair out, right? <laughs> okay? Big serious thing. Did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was loved by God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign women caused him, even, even him, to sin. Do we, then, do we then hear about you having committed all this great evil by acting unfaithfully against our God by marrying foreign women? Even one of the sons of Jehoiada, even the son of Elisha, the high priest, was a son-in-law of, oh, we'll see this later on, Sanballat the Horonite. So I drove him away with me. Bad news, okay? Uh, There seems to be the reason why the oath here is very clear, because he was married to a Jew and his son was married to a Jew. That's the reason because so they were yoked in a family relationship where they gave over their loyalty to this man who was contradictory to the word of God, no matter whether he claimed to be Yahweh's my God, right? Okay. It didn't matter. His actions were quite different. And there's a great warning in this that our loyalty must be to the Lord and not to our family above our family. Okay. The Lord must be above our family. Our loyalty to our family must not be above the Lord. Okay. Yes, we are to honor our father and mother. We are to love our children right, and our husbands and wives. We're to love. But our loyalty cannot be greater than that. And I have seen it. We saw it in our church. Families that were intermarried, there's a big group of different ones that are all related somehow. Just one family that had a lot of people, right? And there was loyalty. You could see within that that superseded a loyalty to Christ, okay? You could see it. We've lived that too. So here, um, we see here that we need to make Christ our supreme loyalty, right? Uh, Turn to Matthew 10. I read this earlier uh, during our service, Matthew 10. It's a warning. It's a warning. You see, because it's so easy to compromise with your family. It's so easy to sin with them against your leaders. Don't do it. Your leaders are brought by the Lord. The Lord is trying to protect you and to feed you and to, to grow you. Uh, don't don't compromise. Don't be bound with your family over the Lord. Okay? And that happens with a lot of uh, families who are, we see this with uh, churches that are, are, are racially driven. Certain churches that are a certain group or race, right? They can be bound closer together because of the race or whatever it might be. Um, Matthew ten thirty four. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Now, this is not saying he came to cause you to have big conflicts in your house, and that's why it's okay to have conflict in your house. No, he's saying when you come to him, there's going to be an immediate sword between you and those who don't know Christ. There's going to be an immediate opposition. That's what's going to happen if you follow Jesus, okay? And he says, He who loves father or mother more than me. Love your father and mother, but not more than Jesus, right? Uh, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I find it amazing how people will go to horrible churches because their son is going there. They'll go to a terrible church because their daughter's going there. Obey the Lord. Trust the Lord. Do not let your family ties and loyalty cause you to sin against the Lord. You will sin against the Lord. You'll sin against his people. So then, in our passage, we realize that our loyalty must be for Christ. And here, through these marriages and these family relationships, it was because of that that much of Judah had made an oath to a bad guy who was attacking, wanting even to kill Nehemiah, being part of that, but portraying himself to be this godly God guy, right? You see, there's that saying in the world, blood is thicker than water. May that not be true of believers. May it be that because of his blood, we are more loyal to him than our earthly blood, right? Right? May it be that. What did Jesus show in his uh, example when his family was coming? Now, this was a curse. His mom was saved, but the, right at this point, his brothers were not saved. Later. And we'll see they get saved. Some of them, yep, you'll see they get saved, but they weren't. And they were thinking he's crazy, and they're going to want to deliver him out. And so they come to get him. Turn to Luke chapter 8, and you can see how the Lord Jesus responds. And we should have a higher affinity family-wise to those who are in Christ, now praise the Lord when they are also believers. But it shouldn't lower down to the lowest level; it should raise to the highest level. Say, Luke chapter eight, verse twenty. And it was reported to him, "Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, wanting wishing to see you." But he answered and said to them. My mother and my brothers. Now in Matthew goes, behold, he points to his disciples, by the way. My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. He's pointing to his disciples in Matthew. Those who obey, hear the word, they obey it, right? They do it. That, that's, who my, that's who I'm related to. That's my family. That's my family. Yes, we do have family and blood and we are not to dishonor them. We're to honor them and we're to love them. But that honor and love cannot be greater than our honor and love of Jesus Christ, you see because Satan will use it he 'll use your family to turn you against uh, those who are godly in your life he 'll use your family. I remember when we started this church the the, the back in Vancouver, I remember uh, very clearly a very close family friend of ours, and I would say almost a, almost a, a sister bloodwise almost that even in Christ, you think so. She invited Hillary to a, to a retreat, and at that retreat, she shared with Hillary all these things of how she shouldn't submit to her husband, she shouldn't go this way, and all these things, all these evil things, and Hillary was about to lose it, you know, Satan was working on her, but yet God used his word at that retreat, and it confronted the evil of what this person who was close, family person, was saying, and praise the Lord, Hillary listened to the word, and, and the Lord same thing happened again. You know. By the way, pray for Hillary. Uh, when Satan attacks me, he attacks her too, right? Um, but uh, another thing, when we started the church, uh, her dad, who wasn't a believer then, believe he, he died as a believer, we hope so, we think so, wasn't a believer then, took her on a lunch, basically said, you can leave him and come back with me. You see, family's gonna draw you to do what is evil and wrong. You need to be careful. Be on guard, be on guard. It doesn't mean you disrespect them. It doesn't mean you don't pray for them. It doesn't mean you don't honor them. But your loyalty must be to the Lord. To the Lord. Honor your parents. Love your family, but not more than Christ. And when Satan uses them, choose Christ. Choose Christ. And that will happen at church. These things happen before, they're going to happen again as we play at this church, they're going to happen again. They're going to happen again. We need to be on guard and allow our hearts to see things rightly because the Word of God is informing our hearts. Informing our hearts. Now, back in our passage, Nehemiah, back in our passage, verse 19, chapter 6. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. I, I read that and I go, oh, this is so painful because it happened to us. I feel for Nehemiah. <laughs> Much worse than what happened to us, obviously. But it does. it is painful when there are those who are turning the hearts of believers or those who may seem to be believers, turning them away from what they need to hear, which is the word of God, by turning away from those who are bringing it. So then he says here, then the end of the passage, then Tobias sent letters to frighten me. Here you go. That's really what's going on. Ultimately, behind all this oath stuff and all these letters and everything is to frighten Nehemiah, probably the same way as they shared before, uh, false accusations, whatever it might be, to cause him to be fearful of his life, whatever it might be, to to, to back away from ministering. Back away from ministering. But Nehemiah, here as we will see, does not do so. He confronts even more sin uh, for the sake of the Lord later on in this passage. So then, uh, let's close with some principles out of this latter portion, which are obvious. First of all, we need to understand... That with spiritual success comes more temporal opposition, and it may come in a way that you would have never fathomed. Satan can bring it through the family anytime. time, by the way. Here it came afterwards. came when all the outside enemies were, were seen to be calm, right? Now it's coming through the inside, right? Through the body of Christ, right? You see that through false guys and, and oaths and yoking, evil yoking. Secondly, realize your leaders are going to get attacked. Pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for those God is raising up as leaders in this body. Pray for us. We're going to get attacked. And Satan's going to attack you by trying to slander us in your hearts. Through people. Through people. The family gossip. Whatever it might be. Be on guard. Be on guard. And again... Just to tag on that, be on guard because opposition may come in a manner that you don't expect it after you've had great victory in Christ. And uh, lastly, we can become momentarily part of that opposition when we uh, yoke ourselves and have loyalty to anything higher than Christ in our hearts. We don't want to be part of it. So then, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, infiltrated the Jewish through marriage, Jews through marriage. And through their family loyalty, they were willingly used to undermine and attack Nehemiah. So how can we keep from being defeated after spiritual success? First of all, we need to realize that God gave us a success. Don't forget, give him all the glory. And we need to realize that once these things have come, that there is still a battle going on. Be on guard. Praise the Lord and, be, and rejoice, but be on guard. There's still a battle going on, and it may come in ways you have never expected. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, I marvel at how uh, appropriate it is for us in these days and how you use it to encourage and to build us up and to protect us, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you for how you have brought us through all those examples I barely mentioned. Safely, Lord God, you're so good. We pray for those in the past who got caught up in family relations and sinned. Uh, Greatly, Lord God, we pray for them that they would see it and repent, that they might even read Nehemiah on their own, whatever it might be, and, and be convicted, Lord God. I pray for that. We pray for their restoration. I pray for that. And Lord, I do pray that as we have these prosperity, prosperous victories in this planting of this church, Lord God, that we would be on guard. We'd give you all the glory, but we would be on guard knowing that uh, in this world we'll have trouble, but we need to take heart. You've overcome the world. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, for your word, and for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.